0: It's Tuesday, November the 21st, 2023. Let us gather together and experience the goodness of God. I'm Pastor Trey Comstock. We will begin with our scripture of the week, Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30, and a piece by me entitled Museums of Theism. Then, Pastor Emily Larson and I will be joined by Pastor Jimmy Calvert and Sister Brandy Dudley from Grace UMC in Palestine, Texas, to talk scripture and how they approach reaching new people to invite into the faith. But first, a reading from Matthew, chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. For it is as if a man, going on a journey, summoned his slaves, and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done! Good and trustworthy slave, you have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward saying, Master, You handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy slave. You knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow, and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to all of those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In my experience, two specific phrases can take responsibility for the failure of churches everywhere. Well, we've always done it that way, and... But we need to keep it looking nice. The first speaks to a lack of awareness of how the Spirit of God moves and shifts over time. The latter looks a lot like burying your one talent in the sand. I live in a 1950s ranch-style home, so the builders built it for an era where each family needed two sitting areas, a living room and a den. Maybe in the 1950s, both rooms got used a fair amount, but I grew up not in the 1950s, but still in an era where people felt the need to have a formal sitting area and an informal sitting area. I observed that for most people, this meant they had a sitting area that got used, the informal one, and one that exclusively gathered dust, the formal one. Churches are far worse offenders in this than the average homeowner. Wesley Community Development, a ministry of the Western North Carolina Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church, helps churches figure out how to best use their spaces and properties to maximize their impact for God's kingdom. As part of their process, they analyze the total square footage a church has, and then look at how each space gets used. The shocking fact is that most church space they look at sits unused as much as 90% of the time. We have huge gathering spaces that we call sanctuaries. We use them one to four hours per week. The same goes for our community spaces and classrooms. Churches tend to have activities in limited time bands, and outside of those bands, the spaces sit unused. Some of this stems from us needing to think about new potential activities and ministries or community partners that could use the space needing to expand our imaginations. However, in my experience, we might have a deeper spiritual issue. In the following stories, details have been altered to protect the innocent. A small but active, medium-sized church has just built a new activities building. They spent a lot on it, and built it to a high degree of polish. The whole project grew out of the fact that they'd fundamentally outgrown their tiny kitchen. They feed dozens of children per week, host massive community meals, and hold several major food-based fundraisers every year. Upon completion of the new building, with its huge, well-equipped, and shiny new kitchen, the head of the kitchen team of the weekday children's ministry comes to the pastor and says, I think that we will just keep using the old kitchen. We don't wanna mess up the new one. They leverage the entire financial future of their church For a kitchen that they weren't going to use? Why have this incredible kitchen if not to use it? A church, large in facility but small in membership, has fundamentally overbuilt. They built thinking that growth would come, but for a lot of reasons, growth did not occur. Recent changes in the life of the congregation have brought new life, and a new ESL ministry is about to launch. The ESL folks will use the Sunday school classrooms on a weekday evening. An important leader in the congregation pulls the pastor aside. The conversation escalates until the leader's true concern comes out. They're messing up everything in the classrooms, he bellows. The ESL folks had not done anything of the sort. They had rearranged some things and moved some of their stuff into the space. Why do minor changes feel like a space being destroyed? We call it not wanting things to get messed up, but it's burning our talents in the ground rather than using them for the kingdom. During the communist period in Russia, they converted prominent churches into museums of atheism. But if we take our unwillingness to let our spaces be used to its logical extreme, we end up operating museums of theism. Museums seek preservation above all else. Churches use their talents to bring an increase. In 2014, I went to the cathedral in Leon, Spain, as part of a journey along the Camino de Santiago. Like many old European churches, it operates more as a literal museum than an active house of worship. However, Leon Cathedral took this to an unusual degree. You had to pay to even enter the small side chapel set aside for prayer. I don't know a lot of churches who have gone this far, a literal pay-to-pray scheme. Still, it's all the same logic, and only different in terms of extent. We have nice things, we must preserve them, we want to show God how seriously we value God's gifts, let's bury them so that they don't get lost or damaged. The following story has not been modified to protect anyone. Smith Chapel had an annual cowboy-themed Christmas play. It felt strange to me as a Texas boy in the mountains of Northwest Georgia, but they got a kick out of it. The church doesn't have a ton of space, but what they do have has been maintained. Things get painted, the carpets get restretched, new roofs get put on as needed. Everything looks nice, but not too nice. For the cowboy Christmas play, every inch of the sanctuary is liable to rearrangement. I made them take the altar out because it looked like it was about to get used as the bar for the saloon. And even for me, that felt like a bridge too far. Stuff got scuffed in the process. This would happen on a Saturday night and we'd have to push to restore things back for Sunday morning. We had to fix and patch and put back together. Yet each year that I got to be a part of it, It was standing room only in that little sanctuary. As it says in Matthew chapter twenty five, verse twenty nine, for to all of those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. So as you just heard in the piece, this the frame I'm taking on uh, the the parable the talents is to not just look at this individually but also understand this collectively. And we've a theme that has emerged overall on the show and and in my life is churches have these like vast sets of resources and often they do not get used. And I you know I as you might have been able to tell from the piece I was relating some of my own horror stories of where churches have just Fundamentally, looked at what they had, and rather than wanting to use what they have, they wanted to keep it nice, aka bury it as thoroughly in the sand as possible, uh, and that way, it's not doing a ton of good for anybody. This is also true of our, you know. uh, spoilers I you know I have not preached the sermon on this yet and so probably where this is going in the sermon version uh, is some take on looking at our own personal lives and understanding that not only do we have gifts uh, which is great and we should use them to like make sure our families eat and stuff but also making sure we are using them for the work of uh, building god's kingdom whatever that means for your particular gift but to think about this both in terms of we got churches with lots of stuff that ain't being used. And we've got a lot of folks with lots of gifts who are not necessarily applying them in the directions that God is calling us to.
1: Yeah, I think that this scripture can be difficult for people to read because this is where you also get like a lot of prosperity gospel or a lot of works righteousness gospel or or things that are, you know, difficult or hard to interpret, but but I think you're right in pointing it towards the bigger picture, not just the individual, but the collective of looking at what is your church doing? what is, um, What are you doing with your own life while the master is away, right? Um, we've been entrusted with these, this time, these talents, these treasures, all to be used for the building of God's kingdom. So we know that the return is coming. What are we doing in the meantime with all of these things that we've been given? Um, And will we be among those counted at the end where God will say to us, well done, my good and faithful servant. Are we using those things to the best of our ability for the building of that kingdom of God?
0: Well, and as you know, I'm a lifelong Methodist and Methodism always always butted hard up against works righteousness. We don't we don't cross over, but we always butt about as hard up against worst righteousness as you're gonna, as I have seen, without tipping over, because for us, fundamentally, God moves first, but also for us, fundamentally, you've got to do something with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God moved first in your life, but this, the parable of talent, or we're looking at James chapter 2, whatever, there is this, is certainly within, you know, a Wesleyan landscape, and I would argue, you know, which, you know, it's not just dogmatics. It is the theme I see that like faith is a thing you have, but faith is more than a thing you have. You know, we talk about it a lot. Faith is then ends up being the thing that motivates. And if it's not a motivate, if it's faith is not a thing that motivates, then you need to look at your faith, right? Because the, fundamentally it is that belief is a, you know, a thing that motivates you to action, not just a thought you have in your brain.
1: Yeah, I had someone equate this to, you know, are you actually, uh, that question of are you actually putting your faith into action as, you know, if you are sitting on a beach and someone comes up and tells you, hey, a tsunami is coming and it'll be here in 10 minutes and you go, oh, okay, well, that's great. And then you just sit there and you don't take the action to get out of the way, then perhaps your faith was not really genuine in what that person was saying because there was no action associated with it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So... Making sure that you are putting into action those talents that you have been entrusted with, with your faith.
0: And also having that piece to understand the totality of what you've been given. Right. I wonder, you know, I don't think I ever asked that, you know, the, the churches mentioned in the stories, what do they think their talents are? And how do they think their talents would apply, but I'm willing to bet that some of them would say, "Yay, yeah, you know, we do this this outreach, and so you know we're good we're 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 doing that right we're not we're 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 doing it it's fine everything's fine we 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 uh oh we do the this one thing once a year um and and so and so it's fine, and actually for you know particularly one of those churches, the truth is is a fairly healthy church, but that you know the you know um, this is clear. I am the pastor in both of those, all three of those stories. And I really, I threatened to, uh, smash the, uh, new activities building, um, window with a, a baseball bat. Um, so that then I was the first person to mess something up. And in that way we could start using it again. Um, that was my, when, when this lady comes to me and is like, Hey, uh, I don't think we're going to use this thing that we spent three quarters of a million dollars on, um, for the purpose for which we built it. Um, I, uh, I was upset. And what I said is I have a baseball bat in my truck. I will go get it. Um, and I will smash a window in the kitchen. And that way I am the first person to mess something up. You can take it out of my paycheck. Um, and then we can start using the thing. Uh, luckily I did not have to uh, smash a window, although I would have and uh, they started using the building and guess what? it was wonderful and it did everything they ended up they ended up actually using the thing for the reason why they built the thing and it was lovely. Uh, but there was just like why did you if you weren't gonna use it, why did you build it? This is what like you know, you're gonna go back to feeding sixty to a hundred kids out of this like, you know, T- smaller than the kitchen I have in my, you know, very normal family home.
1: No. So Trey, can we safely say that you are one of those people who does not have like the hand towels hanging up that don't get used, that are only out for company or no, the, the, so, so, the china I, that only no, get t- used? Have I told you,
0: I, I, I don't think I've mentioned art <laughs> my deep shame on the show. Uh, so one of my deep shames um, is that uh, we got a set of china for our wedding that we've used once in 15 years. This is like my, you know, one of my great, like, I, I, I don't have any part of my house that is only for show. Uh, we converted the, uh, the what is supposed to be our formal living room in our 1950s house into a dining room that actually gets used really frequently because we have our full dining room table with all its leaves in it because the room is like half the length of the house and uh we have our friends over uh for a thing we call family dinner every friday night. And so there's not a room in our house that doesn't get used at least multiple times a week, if not every day. But no, I have a, I do have a set of china um that I have moved 9 times across the country. Um and it has been used may on the outside twice. And I don't I don't understand it. I don't know what to do about it. I've never figured out what's the right, like, yo, yes. So, this is like, as I am the, like, you know, hey, use everything you've got. We use every part of everything we've got. I, too, have this, like, weird set of stuff that I have no concept on how to use it yet. And this, I've been married for near, it'll be 15 years in May.
1: (laughs) There's always that, that something. That we all have that you're – and churches are just as guilty as people yeah. of this. Of We've got to keep this nice – and it's usually the parlor, right? Yeah, well, so the you, church has a parlor uh, or a bride's room, you put yeah. all of the pretty things in there and you don't let the kids play in there because, you know, you don't want goldfish crackers in the carpet or whatever it is. Um,
0: but then that – be- but that becomes the chief offender of room we only use once a week or then sometimes it's a room that we can't use – because, quote unquote, the things in there are too nice. And, you know, I, 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 I between being a pastor and then, you know, doing other church stuff, you end up experiencing a lot of different churches. And there is like or it's like the room that only the one Sunday school class can use because they paid for all the things that are in it. And therefore, for reasons that defy nonprofit, how nonprofit law works, they now own this room and no one else can use it. No, 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 not what we mean. But yeah, we, we, we have a parlor here which uh, has been used once this year. Uh, it may get used a second time. And we, yeah, uh huh, nope parlors is it, it, parlor is the chief offender, but the truth is like you know that's why I brought up the statistics from um wesley community development is the truth is it's not just parlors parlors again just chief offender that for most churches that they look at, it can be up to ninety percent of the time the space is being unused it's just sitting empty um so I wanna I wanna bring uh, uh Jimmy and Brandy into the conversation. So uh where have y'all have y'all experienced like your folks in this uh lovely parable the talents? Well
2: <laughs> I didn't know if you wanted to go first. I thought you go first. Um <laughs> so here at Grace, I am super thankful that we are not in a historic building. Yeah. So the helps. building has, has never been an attachment for these folks you know, like it can be for some, um, they have moved multiple times and, and to enter into a space that used to be a country club and restaurant, right. It's like there, there is no, you know, this was a restaurant. So now we're using it for good and it's got, it's got coffee colored carpet. So you can spill whatever you want on the floor. Literally anything. Um, there's probably blood everywhere, and you just have no idea. Probably, <laughs> probably. So that's really awesome. I think not to have that that baggage, you know, uh, moving forward and the things that you want to do. Like this building gets used. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I think that's been, you know, you know, I think for all of us who have touched that building, it is in a weird way, it's a gift um it's also a gift that like it's a church that fundamentally doesn't have quite enough space um and so no sunday school class gets to own a room there isn't a room other than maybe the pastor's office and even you know then there's sometimes small groups that meet in there uh there's you don't have the luxury of a room that you can you know set aside only for the uh, only for whatever because uh, you, you, there are only x number of rooms it is um <laughs> You know, it could you know it could be another um, the the kind of positive example I used in the piece was Smith Chapel United Methodist Church, uh, but Grace could be another one of those, right? Of look, this is not yeah, you're right. This is not a this is not a historic building. This was a country club, and everyone has to go everywhere because there's nowhere else to put them.
2: Yeah.
1: It is great to see that during, I remember, Vacation Bible School in particular at Grace is one of those places where you have to use every part of the buffalo or it's not going to fit. You put kids in the basement and in every classroom and in the kitchen, you have your volunteers and in the sanctuary and you rearrange the whole church because you have to or else... It can't happen. There's too many kids in too many places. So it is nice that, you know, the carpet's not so precious that we have to worry about. No, you know,
0: quite the opposite. Serving ruin,
1: snacks in the Ruin
0: sanctuary. that carpet. Ruin it. Find the way to ruin it.
1: <laughs> I Find, don't think it can be. I, I really think it's indestructible carpet. I That's have great. tried. <laughs> Find.
0: I. Mm. Uh, we may need to post a picture of that carpet in the show notes so that people not familiar with grace. Yeah, yeah, we'll send you one. No problem. S- send me a picture. you know, <laughs> And I need to, you know, just, you know, nostalgia. I think in my first several sermons, I marked, I mocked that carpet about once a month. Um, I hate it. But also, uh, you really don't feel any need uh, uh, to attach to it. I think the other mm-hmm. thing that I think about with this scripture, and particularly churches, is even if you try to keep it nice, time's going to come for it anyways, right? We talked about this some when we did a uh, scripture on, you know, where where your treasure is, that your heart is, right? Um, that, you know, I think the, the church building I'm in now, a lot of people really did want to keep it nice, and then time made fools of that, where, you know, roof leakage and water damage um, and just carpet ages um even grace's carpet will age someday um and so the truth is this stuff is meant to be used and even if you don't use it you will not necessarily achieve your goal
2: of keeping it nice what about you brandy you've got three churches
3: yes i have i have got three lovely churches um i'm totally the opposite of grace that um we're trying to find ways that we can use yeah. uh, the edifice and everything, but I think primarily my problem is is the the parishioners don't really want to get up and do anything to mm-hmm. make the edifice work. Yeah. Um, even though I alternate churches every other week, I try to push ideas, uh, outreach ideas, to see what we can do to. Uh, welcome people into the church and let them use different things and whatnot. And it, most of the time it's like, yeah, we're, you know, are up in age. yeah, the demographics are messed up. Yeah, we don't want to. So it, it's it's kind of mm, discouraging a little bit, but I still don't give a hope that we have potential to uh, use what God has given us to uh, build his kingdom here on this earth because me, I don't like to waste God's talents. I want to use them the best way that I can in my ability. And I'm really trying to bring that out into the parishioners of uh, Union and Titus Chapel and, and St. James and all. Uh, but it's it's a slow process. You just got to keep working on it.
0: Well, and I think we, we've seen and in, in, I think we've all seen in our work how sad it can be when a church does close and you go through the cabinets and you go through the closets and you are working you know the you know three of us in this call worked together to clean out a church once and i i found i found that process profoundly sad because you were seeing all of these talents all of these resources all of these things that god had given and that just fundamentally didn't get used and that you know that i think a lot of churches end up in that mindset of We can't do much, and I guess the part of it is not with that. With that attitude, you're right; you can't do very much. Um, But you know, the person who was, you know, yes, some people were given more talents. But even the person with the one, you know, the kind of the, the the message here, right, is the person with the one talent, the person that has the the what seemingly is the least to give. Even for that person, the expectation is you were going to do something with it. Maybe you don't have, you know, maybe you don't have the 10 talents. Maybe you don't have the mega church with 27 pastors. But even with, you know, the the, the, the one talent, the, you know, a talented pastor and a, a small but dedicated set of laity and, and a building, right? You know, there's a lot we can do. A lot of nonprofits would kill to have the facilities that all of us have, right? That every you know the fact that most churches have dedicated space. I mean, Emily works with Amarillo UMC. We had them um, on the show a couple of weeks back. They don't even have their own space, right? They've grown as a church without even having their own dedicated building. And I think you know you look at or you know I when in in my work internationally, like you know where you go to churches that are under just under trees. They don't even have indoor space. That not even borrowing space from Presbyterians. They just don't have space. And yet they're able to accomplish things for the kingdom. I, you know, I guess part of this is maybe a, a difference between, um, you know, an abundance mindset and a scarcity mindset. You can always get into the scarcity mindset. Oh, I only have one talent. Oh, I don't want to make sure. You know, oh, I only have you know a handful of very old people uh, and a building. I, you know, you get into the scarcity. Or you can approach that same amount of stuff. With that abundance mindset of, hey, I got some people. Hey, I got a building. Hey, I've got – and I guess that, you know, to give that frame, like that's part of what's here in the parable of the talents is no matter how many talents you have, you have some talents and to think abundantly about that rather than, you know, as that is a scarcity.
3: Well, I think back to my first charge and you guys helped me with the um – demise of that <laughs> yeah, parish sure, yeah. but uh-huh. i think back to quote unquote the talents that they had in their in their church well they weren't gonna use right and right. didn't use that so another church benefited from yeah. their talent so to speak we bought material we we uh furniture uh even lately we we bought the orbs from over there in the Candle snuffers that we used. Nice. To, well in, in the services here at Grace. So it's like if you're if you're not gonna use it for the kingdom of God, then the, the fear of it is gonna be taken away yeah. and yeah. given to somebody mm-hmm. else to use. Yeah. And this is what I'm trying to tell my people over in Teague and Oakwood that we need to start uh kingdom building here on this earth with what we got to work with, because if we don't Either the congregation is going to die out and the building and everything in it is going to go somewhere else or what. And I, I don't want to see that to happen, but that's the danger. If we don't use the talent that, and the gifts that God gives us yeah. to use on this earth, we are, it's going to go away.
0: Well, I, I think about what my friends at Smith Chapel United Methodist um, could have done with a location like the church that we closed. Right. So the Smith Chapel's challenge was they're in the truly in the middle of nowhere, like not small town, like just in a field. I, uh, I always put it. They were <laughs> next door to corn and across the street from cows. Yeah. That was the neighborhood was corn and cows. And there were like some like uh, like housing development type things around. But like just fundamentally, if you weren't looking for Smith Chapel, you were not going to find it. And yet somehow they were able to Scrape together a healthy congregation even though they were out in the middle of nowhere and i always wondered what could the those folks done with something that was like in a neighborhood surrounded by actual other people uh when your most obvious mission field wasn't bovine in nature um and and you know i some of those like you know especially the one that we closed right in the heart of a neighborhood um you know neighbors across the street like surrounded by people in the middle of admittedly you know palestine's not a huge town but it's a town a town of 20,000 people and the scare like the amount of scarcity that they saw rather than hey we have this You know, we, we have a neighborhood around, like we have a mission field. We have an opportunity. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's kind of,
2: as the parable makes clear, it is use it or lose it. Oh, I was going to say, I I think every church probably needs a Marie condo. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That person that says, uh, it's time for the yearly review does the yearly review does this spark joy for you? Yeah uh, have you touched this thing in a year in a year let's, right let's let's give it another home. Yeah yeah let's find another place. Let's
1: find a new place for the bells to go and serve (laughs) outside of the church. We call out church bell choirs. They have their place in church, obviously. But
0: but fewer churches are going to need them. Bells and choir robes. Um, (laughs) No one ever need buy new – I'm sorry, manufacturers of handbells. The global need for – market for handbells is already satisfied. There are enough churches out there that have handbells that you don't need to make any more. It's like fruitcakes. You never need to manufacture another fruitcake. Just send, keep sending the same fruitcake around. You circulate the same no ones one eats around it. No one it. Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so you can just send it doesn't matter if it's last year's it's not like they're going to eat it anyways. They're not going to get food poisoning because they're not going to eat it. It's not food, it's a decorative <laughs> object. So just like fruitcakes, so with handbells. I I I, I, I was at a, I worked at a church that had three handbell choirs. We had a, we had a de- But we still only needed one set of handbells. So Pender United Methodist Church, circa 2009, when I worked there as the Director of Dramatic Arts, whatever my title was, only needed one set of handbells that then they just shared among their three handbell choirs. (laughs) But, like, most of us don't even have one handbell choir. And yet, uh, raise your hand if your current United Methodist Church has a set of handbells somewhere. <laughs> for the audio listeners, both churches represented raised their hand. Yep, raise your hand if you have any intention of using those handbells, except for the time we rang one bell on All Saints. <laughs> the audio listeners will note that no one raised their hands.
2: So, so we have actually uh, not everybody is aware of this, uh, but but our handbells are being. Um, used by somebody else. They have. That's awesome. They have been wonderful. Uh, given for use.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which is which is perfect. Per- which again, like I, I, I reckon I actually when handbell when well done, um, if and not ha- a mandatory part of every worship service that you're ever a part of at the church. I love a good occasional handbells. I uh, in college, I two of my friends did a handbell duet, which is one of the most amazing like physical dances you could watch because it's like two people moving around across a set of, I don't know, half a dozen handbells like moving around and ringing. It was beautiful. It was an amazing, you know, uh, amazing piece of performance art. Uh, Yeah. The the point with all of it is for it to be used. I, I am deeply, deeply afraid of when it's going to be time to clean out the building that we're in. I, uh, I am terrified because every closet you open, it's more. It was uh, prepping for, uh, we did a Tenebrae service last year for uh, Good Friday. It's my kind of standard Good Friday service. You slowly put out the candles. And I didn't know if we had, I I just knew in my soul that we had candles. And so I opened a closet uh, that was just literally full of candles. There was just a closet. That is almost nothing but candles, and not even like junky candles, like the the pre-filled oil candles. With so like so, rather than like the having the fancy kinds, yeah, without so it's not the kind you have to pull the oil in yourself. They come like it's like a cartridge that's pre-filled with oil. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 real expensive stuff. We have like a whole closet full of them. Like I needed whatever I needed, 15, oh, trust me, I probably have 36 of those oh, just nice. in a closet. And, and, and it's not just candles, right? I have every banner you could ever need. Um, I have literally hymnals for a thousand uh, that, or more, God only knows. Uh, everything that any church could ever need exists in this building somewhere. We just don't know where it is. And so when it comes time, I was told that the microphones had been stolen. I was told that we own wireless microphones in the past and they had been stolen. Nope. They were on a shelf. Mm. They were just in a closet. <laughs> they're just, I just, I've just one day I was doing something else and I just found them. It was like, Oh, Oh, we just, they're just, we just lo- we thought they were stolen. No, 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 we just lost them. Uh, and so, you know, the, me, I, I, bring this up. I, I, I took this pitch on the parable of the towns in part because it's just you know my life around church generally has shown me that a lot of churches are sending in a lot but the part of it is is in some ways this building that i exist in um is like chief among sinners for this everything of a church is in here somewhere and a lot of it is just slowly dissolving into dust. We're currently when knock on wood, we're currently winning the war on the rats. And so less of it is getting uh, taken over by the rats, uh, which is good. Uh, but for a while, we were fighting a fairly pitched battle against the rats. And so the rats were getting at some of our earthly treasures. But like, you know, just to, you know, uh, my left, you're right. There's just a closet full of choir rubs. They're just there. Um, Mm -hmm. there are as far as i can tell like three like m audio musical production keyboards like like used for recording studio style there are just three of them in that same closet why do we have them god only knows when did we buy them sometime in the last 20 years why did we buy them again unknown what are we going to do with them now unclear Mm -hmm.
3: That way you can open up your own Cokesbury uh,
1: shop yeah. down there. We yeah, should yeah. have a resale shop. Just, you know, churches are us. Have a have a fire sale. Yeah. yeah. But when we yeah. move out
0: of this building, that is going to be like, you know, that will be what happens. Because mm-hmm. we are sitting on again, we're sitting on everything yeah. of uncertain quality, of even less certain vintage, but like, I needed a soundboard for this studio. I didn't have to buy one. We just had it. <laughs> <laughs> this, is just on sh- this is just on a shelf.
1: But, you know, even outside of the, the stuff of ministry yeah. and the physical side of the stuff, so many churches, so many people, so many congregations, particularly like Brandy was saying, some of the older congregations will say, yeah, well, but we don't have the time. We don't have the energy. We don't have the talents for that. Um, but I think every church needs to find its its niche, right? Yeah. Like it needs to find what it's good at. If you've only got 12 elderly people in your congregation, but most of those people have really amazing casserole recipes yeah. that they can do for potlucks, do potlucks, do a feeding ministry, do, um, you know, open your space for funeral meals, yeah. right? Call the local funeral home and say, you know, Let's invite people in because there's a place in the kingdom for the people who know how to make really good casseroles. Um, well, I think about I think making about making sure that you're using that.
0: A friend of ours, Scott Catchett, um, I am his, his SMU mentor, I'm his seminary internship mentor, and so I have to spend a lot of time with his church right now. And a, a few, a couple of years back, he launched a nursing home ministry, but not in the way that you'd think. So they had a weekly Bible study. Um, and then they had a bunch of folks in nursing homes. And so now they just take the weekly Bible study that they're doing and they hold it in the lobby of a nursing home. And so folks in the nursing home can be a part of it. Even And some of them like participate and some of them just kind of sit there and listen vaguely, but all of that's ministry. And so it, it wasn't like a huge change. It was just a change in venue that recognizing that like, we don't have many activities and they're only paying a quarter-time pastor and so there's only so many activities that they're going to be able to generate but they could take this thing they were doing anyways tweak it and now it's bearing a whole different it's it's still bearing the fruit that it was originally designed to that was like hey let's have a bible study which is a good thing to do but now more people can access it and the people who were accessing it before can still access it. it, it I you know I've, I I've always been really amazed by that ministry that the church has because it's just it's really just a small tweak to a formula that is allowing these talents you know it's a it's a another you know pretty small couple dozen people kind of church and yet, here they are, and now they're talking about, hey, maybe there are other nursing homes in the community that need this Bible study. And 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 it's, it's just, you know, again, I, I, I find that, like, that shift in that thought process of, oh, from, hey, we don't have much, to, hey, here's the thing we have. Hey, how do we make this thing we have go further?
3: Well, I kind of, I applaud Union United Methodist Church right now, because out of the three churches that I serve, I feel like this is the one that's going to be my uh, my my gold bar, so to speak, because they they want to do, but they're kind of like I said, they're at a level like we're up in age. But as far as uh, studying the Word of God and everything, we recently brought back Sunday school. Oh, nice! They wanted Sunday school really bad, so we got it together, made it a point where we started it back on the twelfth. And I was concerned it was gonna be early. I had to leave here in Palestine around eight, be there by eight thirty. And I'm thinking, no, they're they're not gonna come. They're not gonna show up to this. We've been there before with a we've been there before
0: the previous church that said they wanted Sunday school and then no one showed up.
3: Right. But they fooled me. They fooled ah. me. They they were all there. Ah, that's
1: amazing. Ah, wonderful. They that's were wonderful. all
3: there. So I, I really can't say too much and stuff. I just wait on God and let him work it out. So, but I just don't want them to end up like the first charge where they didn't want to go back into the sanctuary and they didn't want to do this and that and the other. And, and we ended up giving them a funeral. So, you know, I'm just saying. Yeah. It's the, it's the second
0: time I had to use the liturgy for the closing of a church. Um, it's not my favorite, you know, I you know, I, you know, we're about to transition to the other segment where we're, we're going to talk to y'all about some of the other amazing work you're doing. Um, but we have this segment called how to restart a church because I think fundamentally that every church I, I other people believe they really, but like, it's not about size. It's not about the number of talents. Um, it's about, what are, How are you called to use those talents? Um, so, guys, we'll talk about um, how uh, our, our two guests are using uh, their talents um, on the other side of this break uh, for our segment, How to Restart a Church. We'll be right back.
2: And we're back
0: uh, for our segment that uh, we call How to Restart a Church. And uh, we've talked, you know, Emily and I on this show have talked some about Grace Church because it was it was our lives for several years. Um, But I want to I want to, you know, both both you, Jimmy and you, Brandy, are both people who I deeply respect in part because of how you approach, you know, building a faith community, talking about the faith, that it is way less about like build a box and way more about how do we make this thing called church, faith, spirituality, fill fill in the words you want, uh, relevant for folks, particularly folks who may not know that it's for them. And so I want to open like a a really kind of open ended, um, of how do you, you know, how do y'all approach that? How do y'all approach kind of this, this idea of outreach, um, but not outreach necessarily in the Like how do you, how do you approach talking to people and hopefully opening up conversations of, Hey, this could, this thing I don't know is for me could be for me. Um, how do y'all, how do y'all
2: think about going about that? <laughs> <laughs> I want to be the one to talk first. Okay. So uh, do you remember during um, annual conference, the, the, the talk about uh, um, being more vile? Yeah. In the Wesleyan Church. Like, that was right up my alley uh, because the bishop said, you know, she kind of capped that off by saying, I want to see you doing more ministry in bars, and I want to see you in places where churches are not supposed to be because that's like part of our Methodist roots. Yeah. So, I mean, we were already doing that. I think you guys laid the foundation here at Grace to be the kind of church that— was willing to take chances and do things in ways and places that, that churches didn't normally do it. So, so, so you already had the, the tap night, you know, yep. The algae on tap. Yeah. The local uh, pub, which was excellent. We've kept that going. Um, You know, we're not doing any more, but Tim was doing the, was doing the uh, Taekwondo uh, uh, training, you know, laying out mats and doing, and doing, jiu-jitsu stuff, you know, doing physical violence in a sanctuary. Nobody does that. Nobody does that. It was great. So we have just kind of continued that path because grace was already flowing with that. They were already, they were already into that. So, you know, we've introduced yoga. Um, and we've, that's kind of flowed. We've had moments where tons of people that have never, ever stepped foot inside this building before were coming for yoga. That was awesome. Um, I'm into cycling, so I started a cycling club, and um, we have people that bike that are not part of this church and really are not interested in being a part of this church, but they like biking. And so it just opens up places for conversation. Yeah. Yeah, meaningful meaningful points of contact of –
0: that it, yeah, but way less strictly defined of like, oh, I can enter this on this form that says this counts for this, but more about like how do we, yeah, you know, generating these like really organic, deep conversations without specific goals. Yeah,
2: yeah, and I have, uh, I have three Gen Z's kids, uh, and so like I'm very aware of the trend that we're seeing um, from millennials, but even more so Gen Z, and you know the institution just mm-hmm. isn't for me. Yeah. And it's not that I'm necessarily against Jesus or even religion, but I just would kind of rather find my own path. And so in having conversations with them, um, I realized some of the things that kept coming up were things like manifesting, you know, yeah. uh, manifesting your, your life and your outcome. Um crystals and rocks and gems for energy yeah, yeah cleansing and and of course tarot tarot is like super big uh because it's just kind of it's just kind of it's not regimented there's there's yeah. nobody that says like there's only one way to do it and it's so, very open-ended yeah 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 so i found this um kabbalist rabbi from new york who designed these psalm cards that huh. were almost like tarot cards huh. but they correspond to each of the psalms there's so there's 150 cards and he's got beautiful artwork yeah, yeah, yeah on the opposite side that corresponds with the with the verse that he picked out and so i thought what is a way that i could get people looking at scripture, but doing it in a way that feels more like tarot. Yeah. And so I just started making these TikToks. And, uh, you know, we would first, almost like Visio Divina, we would look at the image itself and and just see what that brings up for you, what feelings. And then I would give just like a real quick interpretation, my my just kind of loose interpretation of the verse that corresponds on the other side. I, I at at some points I had like thirty thousand people viewing wow. a single video, and I thought, yeah. "This is like touching something." Yeah, I don't, I don't even really know where this is going, but but I'm reaching an audience that's thirty thousand people that yeah. have probably never stepped inside of a church, or maybe they have, and they and it didn't work. Yeah, didn't work for them. And uh, so I'm I, like, I'm totally interested in that kind of stuff, and it, and if it seems just like right across the line of vile like i'm into it i want i want to i want to know more about that you know well
0: if if the if the staying only in our sanitized spaces was going to work it would have worked mm. already but it like the trends the, 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 you know i i the, i understand that the numbers do not tell Ever tell the full story of what 's happening in the kingdom of God because part of what 's happening is a loss of nominal Christians that is people who go to church because they think it's the respectable thing to do, not the people who are digging in and you know taking the faith seriously, but also if new people if if having our, our, our beautiful sanitized spaces were going to attract new people they 'd be here already because there's there's a church on you know there are there are three Three churches on this block, right, that I am sitting in here in Houston, and only one of them is doing really well. And if you take that out, like, a mile, within a mile of me here in this, you know, city, there are like, ah, seven churches? And so if the people know we're here, if they were going to come to us, they would have shown up already. And so, yeah, I I love that. I, I love that line right? Like we need to be vile. We need to go. And, and TikTok is vile, right? T- like, TikTok is, TikTok vile, is, right? Vile. is right? Yeah. vile, right? It is certainly vile. You know, why, why, why we, you know, why we post this show on Facebook and YouTube um, and, you know, is, 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 you know, is also to, because those places, Facebook is particularly vile. Uh, and, you know, I, but I, I, I like, I, I really appreciate that, that frame of it. And, and also the, the like limited goals, right? Like who knows what's going to come of a bunch of people experiencing a psalm in a way that feels more like tarot, but is actually something, you know, deeply faithful who we, you know, you can't define what they're going to get out of that, but you're creating an initial point of connection.
2: Right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you think about Paul talking about, you know, one, one waters and one tills the soil. Like, Like, I don't know where I am in that process, but I know that I'm, part of it somehow in some way. And that may bear fruit uh, down the road in, in somebody else's context. And, and, and I'm fine with that. Right. And that's, uh, you know, from the history,
0: we know that's a lot of what Paul did. Right. We, you know, I, I it was, it was at Mars Hill recently. Um, uh, it, cause we, we got to go to, uh, this comes up on the show a lot. It's, you know, it, it happened. I went, um, and I standing there on the Areopagus, you know, there in Athens, like, some of the people he talked to, like, made a really deep connection. And some of the people just heard a thing that planted a seed. And we don't know what comes, came from that piece, right? That, But, but you know, he was in a, you know, a fairly vile place. Um, you know, Athens at the time was a really pretentious and very strange um, moment in Athenian history. And so, you know, the Areopagus is pretty vile and even there he's making this like very strong defense that's planted some really qu- seeds that bore fruit quickly but i suspect also some seeds that bore fruit much more slowly of just that initial huh there's something else maybe there maybe there is something else here um and i think that's a especially where you know for my generation and younger where a lot of spirituality has got is just that feeling of, huh, maybe, maybe there's something else here. That is a huge win because a lot, for a lot of folks, they've looked at us and went, yeah, no, not a chance, not a chance. Those people are hypocrites or they don't care or they're spiritually void. And I think all of those things have been true. Um, and all of that criticism is well-earned. Um, but also, there is something more to this, if we can find that way to make those connections.
3: Yeah. Brandy, what about you? Well, well, for me, it's uh, introducing new practices to the congregation, actually old practices to a congregation that has never done it before. Uh, Recently this year, we did uh, what we call the journey down the Via Dolorosa, uh, AKA the Stations of the Cross. Yeah, They had never done that before, and we were able to set up the sanctuary, had the different stations around the sanctuary, and let them experience the passion of the Christ from a perspective that they were going on the journey. And they they still talk about it to this day, how powerful and awesome it was, uh, and to the point where uh, the people that visited that day, they came back to experience worship service. And uh, also we did uh, a Good Friday service that was unique. Uh, we did like um, the stripping of the altar and they had never yeah. seen that before. Wow! And they were like, wow, this is amazing. we never done this before. Uh, and just little other stuff that I'm introducing to uh, Titus and St. James and then soon uh, to Union that we've had in the church for years and centuries and whatnot, but they had never been introduced to it before. Uh, and they think it's just the most amazing thing that, that's happened to them, and they want to share it with other people. And then uh, to piggyback what Jimmy said about the ministries here at Grace, I just, I well, brag, not the word I want to use, but <laughs> I I just adore how we do ministry here yeah. in Palestine and Anderson County that we do have people looking at us cross eyed but I don't care because... <laughs> We're not afraid (laughs) to do things for God in special and unique ways that uh, our recent Fall Fest, we uh, grafted in some uh, food trucks this year the a festival, and that was phenomenal. And we had people everywhere. We opened up the doors to the church. There wasn't any uh, people talking about, we're going to run out of stuff, and this and that and the other. Everybody was welcome to come. And have a good time and I think that's the 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 thread that goes through all of the fabric in our ministries in between these churches that we want everyone to feel welcomed welcome to come and worship God and love one another and and, and everything so uh, during that fall fest we saw every person you can think of come through these doors and they had a good time then to the point where I want to come back to church. When is church service? Yeah. Uh, that it sparks their interest. That if a church can do something like this, then what do y'all do during worship? Yeah, we'll find out. Come so that yeah, yeah, come yeah. and find out. Yeah. So when we do stuff like this that no other church in the area does, it sparks. The interest mean, of the person.
0: We had a float in the Mardi Gras parade one year.
3: We sure did. We, <laughs> we, <laughs>
0: we
1: the Mardi handed Gras out koozies we with our church logo
0: on, on it. I still have one with in my water office.
1: bottles. Water bottles. Yeah, water bottles. Koozies,
0: because they they definitely <laughs> needed to rehydrate. That's what I'll say about uh, being in the. Uh, it was John the Baptist. It was John the Baptist. Was that the John the Baptist theme float? Yeah, it was the baptism uh, of Jesus.
3: So I was John the Baptist.
0: It's so I was Jesus. Yeah. Um, and uh, we handed out water bottles. We handed out living water. <laughs> um, yeah.
1: So and koozies. Koo-
0: so th- the thing, I, the other thing I want to ask you about, Brandy, is um, to 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 tell our audience a little bit about your history. Uh, you were running what I can best describe as a mission outpost inside a Walmart.
1: Um <laughs> <laughs> you, you <laughs> work- That is an accurate description. Though. You yeah, worked yeah. for if sure. You, if you worked for Friends in
0: Bentonville for, for many years. Yes, and and certainly you sold electronics. Uh, you sold me some electronics. Yeah, um, but also you used that as outreach, evangelism, and pastoral care. And so I want you to t- talk a little bit about what it was to be running a mission outpost inside a Walmart. Again, unofficially, but everyone knew. It's a small town. Everyone knows you. You should be mayor of Palestine. You're the most popular. You're, as far as I can tell, the most popular person in Palestine.
2: They would seek yes. her out for prayer. Like, people, right. people would just show up and go, can you just pray with me? Yeah. You know, crazy. Yeah.
0: Right. Uh, Again,
2: Brandy, get, run for mayor. Um, Brandy for mayor. Brandy for
0: mayor. Brandy for mayor. Uh, Let's been, do it. I've been saying it for years. Um, But to talk, to talk about talk to a I, 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 blessedly, you don't have to work for our friends in Bentonville anymore for, for which I'm eternally thankful. Uh, but you ran, you did some amazing ministry in a Walmart. so talk a little bit about that.
3: Well, I, I uh, reflect on how Jesus went around doing good for people that he didn't just stay in the synagogue teaching. He went about doing good and uh, bringing the kingdom of God to those around him. So, Walmart was the ultimate mission field for me because we saw different people every day. Every day. Uh, there were broken people, people that needed help in more ways than one. So uh, God just blessed me with that opportunity to be able to be his light in yeah. the midst of that darkness, so to speak. Because you go to Walmart, it's a dark experience anyway. You deal with all this stuff, but... He he called on me to be a, a a light in that place, be his spokesperson, be a a friendly face to somebody that's coming there, and they they need somebody to encourage them. So God always equipped me with uh, a word of encouragement, a prayer on my lips, a, a song on my heart to to tell somebody, or just be able to get ready to give them a hug and uh, and tell them it's gonna be okay. And you would be surprised that the many people that came in there, they come in crying, they'll leave smiling. Yeah. They'll, they'll they they come in wanting a cell phone, they got a cell phone and a word of encouragement. Yeah. A
2: blessing. A bit of blessing. Yeah, they'll
3: they'll come in and they, they want to hear a good word from God because they hadn't had one all day. So that that to me was the ultimate platform for God to shine in uh outreach in, in evangelism. That was the ultimate evangelism field to the point where uh co workers would come mm-hmm. up and say, Can you pray for so and so and so for me and stuff. So, so I said, Well I'm just an unofficial chaplain of Walmart. Yeah. If there was a position, it's yeah. uh being their chaplain. But I did not uh you know I, I didn't take that advantage of of I took that and ran off with it. Yeah. that what I do inside of the church then I can do it outside of the church and turn that experience into something that gives God the glory uh in in that setting. I uh, you
0: know so I now I have a Walmart not far from my house now. I don't go. And 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 some of it is I can now shop other places. uh but the other part of it is you're not there, right? You don't work at that Walmart. Um, and so, you know, why would why would I go to the Walmart electronics desk um, now? Because, because Sister Brandy, you're not there. Um, but the thing I want to kind of highlight about your work in Walmart, too, is your work comes from a very genuine place. Um, and I suspect this is not a thing that you would, you know, claim for yourself. But it is a thing that I, I want to want to highlight and draw out that the, I think part of what made your work at Walmart and everywhere you go, but certainly at Walmart, the hardest mission field I've ever found, um, is that love and care comes from a genuine place. You genuinely want to love people and then see what comes of it, right? This is not, out, I think one of the themes that ties all of this together is it's not necessarily outreach that is meant directly to connect to church attendance. Um, it is... Uh, so often when we come back to these questions of outreach, it is, hey, like, actually legitimately love people and actually legitimately create space and let God work out... Let God and them work the rest of it out. Um, I, th- I really, like... Because, you know, you you, you would get, like, you know... You just describe what you do, Brandy. Uh, you miss the, maybe the most crucial place is you just are that person. And that's what, pe- like, because of your connection with God, people also respond. because it, com- it Because it's coming from that, like, deeply, powerfully, genuine place. And this is where a lot of, like, strategy-based outreach misses the point. And as a person that can be entirely, you know, too strategic um i you know the the wildly unstrategic your wildly unstrategic love um i think is what gave the power behind that outreach
3: well i uh, have a friend right now who's um i don't want to use the word struggling but she she tells me all the time it's so easy for you to make friends i wish i could do that and make friends i say, well you can just present yourself friendly <laughs> right. And then that, yeah, and it goes from there. So I guess that's the key to me is just uh, present yourself friendly to everyone that you meet because yeah. the world is so full of hate, yeah. evil, and malice, and everything. Somebody, uh, I forget who sings that song Matt West, Matthew West, that says that the first part of the song is that he's mad at God because this is happening, that is happening. And he's asking God, well, why don't you do something about it? He said, I have. I created you. <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. how I see myself is that God created me to be uh, the light in, in this world. And I need to let my little light shine. I need to let my light so shine before men that they may see the good works of God and glorify him. And I'm just a little vessel that, that he uses. So. I, uh it's the God that they see in me. It's that's the thing. Yeah. It's uh it's Jesus that's shining in me that they see. And I hope that, that, that that's what they're seeing. It's not just me, little me, but be him in yeah. in me. And let him shine forth in, in the world because somebody's gotta do it. And I just wish everybody can can follow suit and uh and besides me still seeing Jesus in my breakfast cereal. Yes, which <laughs> is true. <laughs> Which is true. This is what
0: I've said about Brandy for years, and and it is it's, it's teasing because her and I connect with God very differently. Uh, but I've always suspected that you're right and I'm wrong, right? You know, uh, you know, I'm the skeptic and you're the mystic, and I, you know, I've always suspected that you're right. Um, I just I wish I could see Jesus in my breakfast cereal. I wish I could see God as manifestly as you do.
3: Hey man, you yeah, I tell you all the time. You got a chance to do it. Just let him. <laughs> You know, screw in that spark plug in no. the car and get a little no. bit more juice and then you'll be able to go <laughs> home and do the same thing. Everybody's got the capability of doing it. But I again, I bless God for the ministry that I had 10 and a half years at Walmart. Jesus. Now, yes. And now it's here at, at Grace Church and uh, people still come here. Matter of fact, I had a lady call today. And her brother is passing away, and uh, she wanted me to pray for her. So I stopped my work, and we prayed right there on the phone. So yeah. that's what God calls us to do, is to be his disciples out there, not just bringing folks into the church, but being the church Yeah, out yeah. there.
0: Yeah. And I, and I think that is, you know— I, I think there's deep irony that, so for those of you who don't know, Brandy's like four foot nine, four yes. foot ten, right? Like, you know, but why I used to have this really tall truck and watching Brandy climb into that truck was, <laughs> I looked forward to it because it's was just one of the most amusing things you've ever witnessed. Uh. Uh, it was like, it was watching some mountain climbing, um, you know, but in this like, you know, four foot ten frame um, is, you know, a mighty beacon for God. And so, um but I, yeah, I I I I hear I hear that connective tissue of genuinely wishing to be points of invitation not points of expectation. Um and uh I deeply appreciate y'all, uh, coming on, um, and, and, and being a part of this. So we should have, y'all, for on having Thank yeah, you. Yeah. have y'all on Thank you. Uh, more often. Um, if you at home have feedback uh, for this show, um, or want to talk about how you encountered Brandy in a Walmart, um,
1: <laughs> you can <laughs> email this. I would love to hear these stories.
0: Uh, because again, it's, it's just true mission field. Um, uh, uh, you can email us uh, thegoodnessofgodpod at gmail.com thegoodnessofgodpod at gmail.com um, this and everything else we do here in the in the media lab is a product of Servants of Christ United Methodist Parish um, and is brought to you by an innovators grant for the Texas Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church if you want to find out more about what we do here at Servants of Christ just look for Servants of Christ um, on everything just about other than Twitter because it's a garbage fire so uh, uh tick uh instagram facebook youtube um and the interwebs um grace church crew do y'all have anything either your personal projects or church projects that you want to plug
3: uh, if you're in palestine come and yeah. see us, come, uh, hang out with us. Yeah. Come, come hang out with us we got several spots we hang out uh breakfast club is at josh's donuts theology on tap is at pine barrel Wednesday night, hey, come out, check us out, or if you are on Facebook, uh, Pastor Jimmy does the podcast for uh, prayer at Thursday mornings, and I try to get on there on Monday nights if I'm not tied up with yoga, and uh, just uh, check us out on Sunday morning, too, uh, at 1030 for a live broadcast of the service, Yeah. And be glad. So, fa-
0: so let me, so, okay, you do this a lot, so let's see if I got this, so facebook.com slash palestinegrace?
3: Yeah, yeah, facebook.com. Uh last pastor, grace is still saved. Yeah, there we go.
0: I, yeah. uh, hey, I got, I got, you know, uh, enough, enough years of saying that into a microphone, it eventually stuck. Uh, <laughs> Facebook.com. Uh, you know, um, uh, it, it is, again, it was absolutely a joy to have y'all. Um, uh, for Emily and I, uh, we will be back uh, next week uh, where uh, the opening piece will be uh, by Pastor Emily um and uh in the how to restart a church segment uh we'll be uh doing a rewatch podcast of season one of the righteous gemstones um warning it is like a rated r comedy series um but it is about um it is kind of a real set parody of kind of you know modern church and so we're going to be looking at season one if you want to kind of get the most out of that discussion and happen to have access to Max, the artist formerly known as HBO Max, uh, it is on there. Um, if not, or if a rated R comedy is not your thing, don't worry, we'll recap it enough. But uh, in pre- if you want to prepare for next week's show, uh, we will, uh, this is what I'm doing over my Thanksgiving break, uh, is uh, I get to rewatch, and Emily gets to watch um, the Danny McBride TV MA comedy, The Righteous Gemstones. Also... Go in peace to love and serve the Lord, and we'll see you next week.